We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. In the book of Hebrews, what we're going to do is actually spend almost a, a week per chapter. I think we're going a little bit, spending a splitting up a little bit more than that as we go. So we'll spend about 16 weeks in these 13 chapters. And so we're covering a lot of content in a short amount of time on these Sunday mornings. And so my invitation to us is this, is not to get the totality of of what the book of Hebrews is in this time and space on Sunday mornings. The invitation is that you would enter into reading this for yourselves and go deeper throughout the week. Uh, Spend time with your missional communities talking through this. Uh, Spend time in in your own, just time to yourself, reading it. Spend time studying it. Spend time praying it. Uh, It's such a good, good word for us. The gist of it is this. I'll say this. The gist of it is that, hey, what you've known from the past might have been good, but Jesus is better. So, The temple, that was good, Israelites. Jesus is better. The covenant of of old, that was good. Like God met his people. Jesus brings something better. The the prophets and the message that they brought, that was good. God was doing something. Jesus is better. And that's the gist of this entire series that we're going through. And we'll see all throughout Hebrews that the author of Hebrews is laying out one thing after another that the ancient Israelite people would have been very familiar with. It was part of their story. And he's saying yes to that. And Jesus is even better. And it's not a new story. It's a completion to that story. And I want to say for us today, when, when, we don't, when we read Hebrews, we might be very confused because we don't have the same understanding the original audience had of the temple and the covenant and the priests and the prophets and God's messengers who would come from the heavens. Like, there may be some things that seem very weird to us in here. But the gist of the message is still the same. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything you've ever known. And he is the fullness of everything you have ever hoped and longed for. Amen? And so we're going to read right now just Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to cover a little bit more than that. We'll hopefully, Lord willing, get through chapter 2, verse 4 by the end of this morning. We'll see how that goes. Would you pray with me first, though? God, thank you for this space and for these people and for this time and for this word. God, thank you that you continue to speak to your people. And thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you are present here and now. God, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds, our ears, our souls, to hear and receive what you have for us. God, would you guard the lips of my mouth and keep anything that is not of you from coming out? Would you guard our hearts and our ears so that any other distractions would not get in the way of you doing what you desire to do in us today as a community. 
God, speak to us and transform us. Make us more and more into the image of your perfect son. That we would leave this place here full of hope and good news, a message to bring others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1 starts this way. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. This is God's word. So one of the things I did do during my time off is I started taking my boys to this wrestling club where they would do practices Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, uh, trying to get them prepared because they think they might want to try out for wrestling in high school. So taking all three of them that, and in that process they asked me to start helping them coach, which was interesting, uh, which I love because I have missed it. I haven't been able to do that in a long time. And so yesterday, actually, I, I've been coaching you know, at practices and things like that. And then yesterday was the first tournament that we went to. It was an all-day tournament in Scottsdale uh, where I got to coach a lot of these young kids on the mat. And anywhere from five-year-olds all the way up to 20-year-olds, I was helping coach them on the mat. And it was really loud in there, and I was screaming the entire time. So I, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I feel it like my voice is like ready to go at any second here. So if it goes, we'll just take that as a cue from the spirit that the sermon's over, okay? Uh, but starting in that, in that kind of role was very interesting because I step into that uh, the first day and the other coaches are like, hey, just like go on the mat as we're practicing and like see who needs help and go start working with them. And I'm like, these kids don't know me, <laughs> you know? So I was like, I'll, I'll stick to my three boys and I'll work with them. But I see these two boys who are probably like 10 to 12 years old and they're just standing there while everyone's drilling these shots. And they just kind of have like this like blank look on their face. Like they don't know what they're doing. So I'm like, all right, I need to help these guys out. So I walk over and I'm like, hey, what, what do you guys need? And they're like, uh... They look at me like, who is this guy? And they're like, we're, we're waiting for our coach to come over. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, well, he's working with someone else. Can I help you guys out right now? And they're like, I guess. And so I'm like, okay, here's, here's the move that we're doing. And I show them how to drill this move and how to take the shot. And they just stare at me again. And I'm like, do you guys really want to wait for, for a coach? And they're like, yeah, that, that would make us feel a lot better weird guy. And I was like, okay, sure. No problem. I'll go get him for you. So I go. And by this time he's done with what he was doing with the other wrestler. And so I'm like, Hey, these two young guys over here, they need some help working this shot that you just showed them. And as I say that we turn around and you see one kid just hit it perfectly. I mean, beautiful. Like he nailed it to a T. His technical skills were like, it was, it was masterful. And he's like, well, he just did it perfectly. And I was like, I know, I showed him that. (laughs) 
I just, I just showed him. I was like, but I don't think he really believes me that that's how you do it because he has no idea who I am. And he's like, no problem. I'll go tell him. And so he goes and he tells him, he's like, hey, whatever that guy just told you, it's working, keep listening to him. And so for the rest of that practice, they kept coming to me specifically and like, hey, can you come help us work on this, right? And so at first it's like, who is this guy? Can we trust him? Can we listen to him? Uh, but then there's some kind of like trust that gets built there and a place of authority because their head coaches told them, listen to this guy. You can trust him, right? Even uh, after a while of doing that with them in practices, yesterday at that tournament, uh, it, it ran the gamut from students who like, they knew me really well and they wanted me to be in their corner on the mat uh, to other ones who were like, I still don't really know who this guy is, but he has a coach's shirt on. He's an adult. He's with us. If he tells me to do this, I'm going to listen. Right? There's, there's these kind of symbols of authority that were there, these cues to them to say, I can listen to this person. I can trust him. What's interesting about the book of Hebrews is we have no idea who wrote this. In fact, it might, it's possible that some of the early church who had received this letter, some of them could have not even known who the author was at first. Uh, the, the first audience, maybe, but the letter would have been passed around, right? And so once you get to that second group, like some of them may not have even fully known. I don't know, I got this from Joe. And Joe said, read this, right? Like, so you don't know who this person is. You don't know who the author is. And there's been lots of debate from lots of uh, scholars about who it could have been. Some people say Paul, and there's uh, some good reasons, and there's some good reasons why it's probably not Paul. And then some people have even said, like, hey, maybe it's Priscilla, right? Uh, she, she was teaching within the church, and maybe, like, she didn't pen who it was from because in that culture, like, if they knew it was from a female, they might not have listened to it the same way, right? And so maybe like it was a female who wrote it and that's why it's not attributed. Like, or maybe it's James or maybe it's, and there's been lots of debate. The point is it doesn't matter. Although you go, wait a second, but, but if we don't know who wrote this, how can we trust it? How, how do we know the validity of it? What the author is really trying to do though is say, look past me. There's a, there's a bigger authority. There's someone else who you can trust even better who's speaking to you right now. The whole point of this message and the reason the author starts this way, hey, in the past you heard from prophets who you grew up, Israelites, like hearing about. What we do know is the audience was most likely Jewish believers and followers of Jesus who have now been oppressed and kind of like picked on and beat down for their faith in Jesus. And they're being tempted to go back to, well, this faith was good enough for our ancestors. It's still the same Yahweh. Like, let's just, we're safer here, right? And this author is trying to say, listen, all, all those prophets that you grew up learning about and, and those messages from God that came to his people that you find in the Torah and the scriptures, all that's good. But now God is speaking to you through someone even better. And so I'm not even going to pen my name on this because it's not through me. God is speaking to you through an even better messenger. And not just a better messenger, but this, his own son who came as a messenger bringing the good news of the kingdom 
is the message himself. This is the message. God is here in the flesh. The king over all creation has come to make all things right. And God himself is speaking to you through the radiance of Jesus. So let me, the the author is saying, let me not even get in the way of that. Here's how you know that you can listen to this voice of Jesus. And the author says this, because God's glory is all over him. In verse three, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. When you picture the sun, uh, and then you think about like, do you remember drawing the sun as a kid? You would draw a circle, right? And then what did you do coming out of that? All those lines coming out, right? How many of you did lines and how many of you did like those little sharp pointy things? Either way, you're trying to, <laughs> you're trying to show the same thing, right? It's the, the radiance coming off of the sun, the light that is exuding from it. Can you separate the sun and the radiance coming off of it. It's one and the same, isn't it? Jesus, the author saying, is the radiance of God himself, of his glory, exuding from the Father. Then he says this. I'll say he from time to time. Again, we don't know who the author was, but uh, I'll say this. Then the author says this. Not only the radiance of God's glory, but also the exact representation of, of his being. Some of your translations might say the exact imprint. And there would have been this picture in their culture, in their mind, that would have come out clearly right then. That when someone wanted to show authority or wanted to show, hey, this is a word you can trust comes from me, what they would do is they would have their own family crest on a ring that's called the signet ring. And they would dip it in some hot wax and then they would seal the envelope or the letter with the wax from their signet ring. So now this message being delivered, it carries an imprint of their family crest. So when you get that, you say, I I know exactly who this is coming from and I can trust that it is the word of this person. So what this author is saying is Jesus is the full radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of our father. This word can be trusted. These are the signs and symbols that you can listen to this voice. Now that's all good and well to make an argument for like Jesus being a really good prophet, right? A really good messenger of God. But it goes so much deeper and further than that. The the actual picture of a son in this culture is much different than the way we think of sons and daughters today, right? Uh, You might think about when when you hear it's the son of God that you think of like, oh, a child of one that's lesser than, one that you got to discipline and keep in line, one that you got to tell to clean up their room, one that, you know, like, but actually in this culture, what this was was a, a son of age would carry the full authority of the father in their household. If the son spoke it, it was just as good as the father speaking it. They too would get the signet ring. In fact, Jesus tells that story of the prodigal son, right? That's what we know it as, but really it's like 
Uh, as Keller said, the prodigal God who spends lavishly, that's what prodigal means, uh, to give to his sons. And so you got the son who runs away and then he comes back. And what does he do immediately? He puts the signet ring on him. You are brought back into the family. You have the full authority of my household now. That was how this culture operated. And so when we hear son in this text, what the author is really trying to say and what all the scripture has been saying this whole time is this is God himself come to us in the flesh. The full representation. You can't separate the two. You can't make them, uh, you can't distinguish them from one another. Jesus is God here in our presence. That is a better voice to listen to. Forget who wrote this, right? And the author says, and even the prophets of old, like God had always been speaking through them. Like, I I know we love Moses, guys. Like he was pretty cool, I guess. But like Moses wasn't the point. That's one we'll get to actually uh, coming up in a couple weeks. But I, I know the angels were pretty cool, right? These spiritual beings that came from the sky, from the heavens, these angels, which is just a Greek word for messenger, these messengers from God would come with a word from God, with a message. How incredible is that? That's super cool. Like some people would actually start to bow down to them, but what did they do? No, no, don't, don't bow down to me. I have the same God that you have. I'm, I'm coming with a message from him. And so what all of chapter one continues to do from here is to lay out like, if you think angels are cool, Jesus is better. If you think these holy spiritual being messengers from the sky are pretty cool, Jesus is better. God used to speak to us through these other ways, but now he's done something even better. And I want us to understand what we mean by better here. It doesn't mean better like let's forget that thing. It's not good anymore. Let's go to something better. Like picture this. It's not like saying, hey, I know we usually go to this Mexican restaurant on Sundays, but I found a better restaurant for us to go to now. The chips and salsa are so much better. Let's go there instead and abandon that one. That's not what's happening here. Instead, it's like, man, I know you think those chips and salsa are really good, but wait until that carnitas you order comes out. It's going to get even better. Food's my love language, in case you guys didn't know. It's not abandoning what was old. It's saying, that was good. It's not complete yet. It's not full yet. It's going to get even better. The fullness of it has come in Jesus. You, You got an appetizer with the prophets and with the angels, but the real meal, what we really are fed and nourished by, what really fills us and makes us whole and complete is God's own son, Jesus, God himself in the flesh who has come to us. Now I know like this is written to people who were struggling with that and they're saying maybe we don't, you know, we're getting a lot of flack for like this Jesus guy. <laughs> we believed the message, but like we also know like in the past, our, our parents, our ancestors, they could have been right with God through sacrifices at the temple and like going through the priests and all that. Like, can we just get back to that? Because it's safer there. 
And I know like they needed to hear this message. And for us sitting here today, maybe you're like, like I, I know Jesus is better. I know he's better than the Old Testament stuff. I know he's better than the angels and the prophets and the old covenant and the tabernacle and all these things that Hebrews will dive into. But like, what? I get it. Do we have to go through Hebrews? But I want to say like 100% yes. <laughs> because Jesus is better than all the other stuff we're running to every single day too. We need this message just as much. And sometimes we can go to a, an alternate version of worshiping our God the same way that these Jewish believers were tempted to do. Like it's the same Yahweh, we'll worship him this way, it's safer that way. And don't we do that in our culture? Like aren't there safe ways to be Christians here? Aren't there safer ways to be church people here? If, if we do it in a way that maybe the culture around us is more accepting of, it's the same God though, right? Like, but the message for us is, listen, the fullness of Jesus and who he is is so much better than the ways we are tempted into softening that message. The fullness of being in the presence of Jesus through his spirit, of knowing the full radiance of God the Father's glory as you abide in him, as you remain rooted in Jesus. That is so much better than any other cultural Christianity that looks safe. And I could name like a hundred different ways that that could look, by the way. Uh, one of them is like Instagram, posting all this stuff about ourselves with the like, here's the Jeremiah 29 verse, right? Like, like it's, it's safe on Instagram to post Bible verses with your body showing to the whole world. That's just one example. It, it, it's safe for us to be culturally, conservatively Christian in the right groups. And then when you're in another group, like it's safe to be, yeah, but I'm a Christian who's like a little more progressive, you know? Like I'm cool with some things. It's safe in those areas to change that a little bit and tweak it. Jesus isn't safe. Jesus took on the fullness of death itself. And he was doing exactly what his father wanted him to do. But he is better. He is better. To the audience of Hebrews, is it going to be difficult to follow Jesus in your culture? Yes. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. But you will find a better life through him. The fullness of what it means to be truly human and as you come out on the other side of suffering in the same way that Jesus did, as he passed through death and the grave into resurrection and life, you too will follow through sorrow and suffering into something eternally better with Jesus. And as he goes through this first chapter, the author, what, what the author does is continue to point out 
This is how one of the clues we have that they were most likely Israelite followers of Jesus. They knew their Old Testament. What the author does is continue to lay out verse after verse after verse from the Psalms and Deuteronomy and Chronicles and all kinds of Old Testament Torah scriptures to say, hey, this, the scriptures said this about the message that came through angels, but this about God's son. This about the message that came through angels, this about God's son. And it's constantly just going back and forth saying there's this one and then there's this one and Jesus is better. Jesus is better. What you saw in the past was good. There's a better way. And then we get to chapter two. And here's what I want to do. I want to read the first four verses of chapter two because this is actually where this section, if you could kind of divide it up into sections, it's, it's one flowing sermon really, but if you could divide it up uh, because I'm not going to do a 13 chapter sermon for you today. This is where it would end in chapter two, verse four. And so after hearing verse after verse, and again, the invitation for you to go and read it and find where these are in the Old Testament. Uh, every single one, one of them, he says, to which of the angels did God say this? And he quotes a verse. And then again, when God brings his firstborn of the Lord, he says this, and he quotes a verse, and he keeps doing that. And then you get to chapter two, and it says this. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Let me pause there for a second. Remember, what the author here is not doing is throwing out the message that came before. Pay attention to that message. It was always pointing you toward the fullness of God coming in Jesus. Don't throw it out. Don't abandon it for something different. The fullness is coming and it's better. So pay close attention. Verse two, for since the message spoken through angels, messengers, was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. What the author's doing at the end of that part I just read right there is just simply saying this. Here are the signs and symbols you could see. Yes, you can trust this message. Here's like the signet ring pressed in, right? Uh, here's the coach's shirt on the back. Like, here's how you know, listen to this voice. There was signs and wonders and miracles, but also like there were people who were right there who were first account eyewitnesses, like all these things, right? But let me back up to what the author said right before that. In the same way that there was a judgment that came on those who didn't listen to the message before through God's messengers, the angels, like they would come and, and they would say, this is what the Lord wants from you. And there would be consequences to disobeying that, to not listening to that word. And he's saying, if that's true of that, how much more so now that the fullness of God's message has come to us through Jesus, if we turn away from that word, if we turn away from Jesus himself, how much worse will the consequences be for us then? Because what the author's saying is simply this. You are not just turning away from a good word. You are turning away from, in verse 3, so great a salvation. 
Now, sometimes in our culture, like, that can sound harsh, right? Like, oh, so if we don't listen to every single word God says, there's eternal punishment, and we're totally twisting what was just said. But imagine if you're a parent, and you tell your child, hey, you probably shouldn't go play in the street, and they ignore it, and they go play in the street, and a car comes, and something terrible happens. That's what's happening here. If you ignore a message of salvation, of rescue, of God coming and bringing you into life out of death, what you're doing is you're choosing death. How much more than ignoring the message from the angels if you ignore the message of life, rescue, and salvation from Jesus now? And so here's what I want us to hear this morning and as we continue to go through Hebrews, as we close right now. There's a lot of things around us that offer some pretty good sounding stuff. There's a lot of things in our world and in our lives that look pretty good. They, they offer something that might bring satisfaction or happiness, a, a little bit of pleasure in the moment. And when we turn to those other things and turn away from the message of Jesus, what we are doing is we are choosing to ignore the message of salvation, which means we, we don't want it. We are choosing death over life. Now, there are good things you can enjoy in this world, in this life. God's given those to him. But, but what we're saying is, hey, some of those things are good, Jesus is better. Fix your eyes on him. The invitation is to come and receive this message that though you were once lost, Jesus has come. God from the heavens has come in the flesh to come and pursue and find you. That though you were once dead, God himself took on flesh and went through death and was buried in the grave so that you could follow him into resurrection of life. Like, don't turn away from that message that there's life and salvation offered to you. It is so much better than any of the other good things that this world has to offer. If you ignore that message and say, I don't know, like in theory it sounds pretty good, but right now this feels better, then what you are doing is you are choosing to turn away from a message of salvation. And I am pleading with all of us right now. I'm pleading with myself right now. Daily, would we remind ourselves Jesus is better? Daily, would we remind one another there is a better way through Jesus? To not turn our eyes away from him, but to turn and fix our eyes toward him. And then we find life, we find salvation, we find hope. We find something that we can actually offer to people around us. We find something that actually makes us whole and complete. We we find communion with God himself, our creator, the one who made us and knows us and longs to be with us so much that he stepped out of the heavens into a frail human body walked his feet on this dirty earth, had nails driven through those feet and his hands and bled 
for you and I. And on the other side of that is life. And it is so much better than anything else offered to us in this world. Would you pray with me?